bits and pretzels inspire you. You will figure it out. This is clearly the place to be. Servus everyone, this is Britta Wedling and you're listening to the Bits and Pretzels podcast. In this episode, you hear from one of the leading female executives in the business world, Angela Ahrens, the longtime head of retail at Apple, where she was one of the highest paid executives. Before that, she was CEO at Burberry and I spoke with her about the leading principles that have shaped her career. You can't move too fast nowadays. And if you have those instincts, trust those instincts. And of course, you know, confuse yourself with facts, learn about, but you have that dream, you have that vision, then go for it. During Corona, which forces all of us to adapt quickly, Angela's ideas around leadership and intuition can give guidance of how to deal with the current uncertainties, specifically about what role your gut feeling can play in moving forward. I was lucky enough to meet Angela just days before the lockdown in Silicon Valley. In the Coeur Valley Golf Club, a private golf course and spa resort located southeast of San Jose, where you drive through a huge iron gate all along well-trimmed green grass before you enter an impressive wooden lobby and are greeted by a hostess. Even in this very luxury environment, Angela is an outstanding personality. The room for our conversation that overlooked the whole golf course was booked under her maiden name for privacy reasons. And we talked about how she made it up to the heap in Silicon Valley, starting in a small town in Indiana. Angela, it's such a pleasure to have you on the Bits and Pretzels podcast. Well, thank you for asking me. It's wonderful to be with you. So you didn't really take the typical path into the tech world. Before you joined Apple as head of retail and now the board of Airbnb, you worked in fashion and you were a CEO of Burberry. So the whole world kind of speculated and was like surprised that you moved over from fashion to tech. Was it a surprise for you as well? <laughs> um, it was a surprise to, um, to, I think, get the call. And, uh, and I, I said no for about 18 months. And so um, it wasn't a surprise by the time that I did it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people that I don't want to wake up someday and say, I wish I would have. Um, and, and, and I was curious. I, had, I was going on nearly, had been nine years at Burberry so far. Um, and I had learned a tremendous amount and been exposed to so much globally. And I wondered if that was simply a warm-up for maybe what I was supposed to do next. Um, so it wasn't a surprise. Um, I actually took the job because I, I thought it was more of a calling. Um, how do you take one of the largest, most successful retail businesses on the planet and evolve it further for to keep it so relevant for the next generation of retail, which is we know is evolving so quickly? So um so by the time I got there, no, I wasn't surprised. But it, uh, you think a lot about intuition. Mm -hmm. You did a TED talk about it. You think mm -hmm. a lot about it, about mm -hmm. intuition, gut feeling. So was mm -hmm. this like kind of related to this decision that you made? You know, I it, it wasn't 100% intuitive, which is why I think I, it took me so long to get to the point to do it. Um, I did a lot of meditating. I did a lot of um, soul searching. You know, I had two kids in London, a, a beautiful life in London. I thought, I thought kind of that was, I thought Burby was my finale. Um, it was, I mean, it's amazing, amazing time that you had there. You turned the company around, you were a CEO. 
I mean, not many people would have, you know, you know, mm -hmm. taken this other job. I mean, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. As an SVP, et cetera, et cetera. And only a small part, one of the smallest parts of their business. Um, but after doing a lot of soul searching, like I said, I, I, I was curious, you know, a lot of people might've been afraid, but I do see things. I do. I don't believe anything in life is a coincidence. And I do believe that, that we all have gifts and we learn along the way. And, and sometimes out of fear, we don't do things where, you know, I was more curious again, had everything I learned at Burberry from a product standpoint and a process standpoint and leadership with, you know, running a, a global business, you know, everything I learned with, with, leading 11,000 people, could I apply that to 70,000 people? And, and the way we handled the in-store experience, the energy we created and, and, and all of the programs we put in place, you know, could some of that be scaled in a totally different way for Apple retail? And, and most importantly, I'm, I really am from the school where I think that big companies have a very big obligation in society. I don't, I don't believe that governments alone can fix everything. I believe that it's a, it's gotta be like a community community of, of, of groups of people coming together. So, you know, my bigger mission was, you know, with 500 million people walking into the Apple stores every single day, my bigger mission was what's their greater purpose, right? Because you can buy something cheaper, faster anywhere. So I, was there a bigger role that they could play? So I did a lot of thinking. I did a lot of meditating. It, it wasn't 100% intuitive. You mentioned that it took you months before you made this decision. And as far as I did my research on, you know, how you made this decision, it was like two coffees or a little more with Tim Cook. So <laughs> how did they convince you to actually leave this amazing job that you had at Burberry to join <laughs> on your new job, to join <laughs> the spaceship in a way? <laughs> Which wasn't finished yet. Um, Like I said, some of it was them convincing, but I think that I think that with entrepreneurs, with CEOs, with every major executive, I think that it's also yourself as well and knowing yourself and 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 you know what is your purpose in life? How can you make the greatest impact you possibly can when you're on this planet, right? And in most entrepreneurs who create incredible businesses, it's about something bigger. It's not just about making money. It's about solving a problem and making an impact. And 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 isn't it interesting how those actually become the most successful businesses? Right. And so so to me, um, I was honored the fact that they even wanted me and continued to talk with me and, and, and realize in between there, they hired another guy for the job. Oh, they did? Oh, they absolutely did. And, but it didn't work out after six months. And so, so then they called back again. So, so, oh yeah, there was another person in between there. That, that's why the 18 months as well. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, they, they, they were very consistent in their approach. And I was also very, I was also very in awe or very fascinated by Tim and his leadership style and his, um, you know, he's running one of the largest companies on the planet, but he's very calm and very thoughtful and, you know, a very kind man and, and, and almost something deeply spiritual about him. I mean, I, I was very fascinated by him, the person too. Um, I'd always had tremendous admiration for the company, 
But then the third component was, did I feel I could make an impact? Did I, Steve said, change the world, right? And he said, those that thought they were crazy enough to change the world are the ones that usually do. So, you know, maybe I have a little crazy side and could I help change the world through the retail stores? Was there something, a program or something we could do? And so, so some of it's convincing, but some of it's also, I, I, like I said, I had deep, 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 tremendous admiration for the company. I think most of the world did. Right. And then it was just simply seeing your role in it. And, and if I didn't see myself being able to make a tremendous impact, then I wouldn't have done it. That's really interesting that you talk about impact and, you know, the impact that you have as a leader or like as an entrepreneur, because I think companies cannot think enough about this, right? Especially today with, you know, coronavirus, mm -hmm. you know, being around climate mm -hmm. change, mm -hmm. CO2, carbon emissions. And, you know, we mm -hmm. all have to find a way to contribute some, mm -hmm. to contribute something to the world that makes the world a better place. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of finally setting into the entrepreneurial community to do to do better, to do more, mm -hmm. which is also something that not only Apple does, but also Airbnb mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. other companies here. Mm -hmm. So, So talk about how you how you look at this and how mm -hmm. leaders should you know take this responsibility to think more about their own impact and how they mm -hmm. should actually approach it and how do you actually find as a leader your kind of impact project mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. yeah no it's a it's a very 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 good question and i think that it'll be the answer will be very different for each company and i think it depends on what sector you're in right whether you're in tech or finance or media or um And so in our case, in Apple Retail's case, now this is not Big Apple, this is Apple Retail. And as we ask the teams, we all, I also then had a number of discussions with some great minds in the world um, and, and, you know, had a strategy team. And so we're reading all of the reports coming out of Davos. We're reading, you know, the McKinsey Quarterly and the Brunswick Review and, you know, the Harvard Review. We're trying to find out. And my question was, You know, we're signing, we're signing 10-year leases. And before you sign a 10-year lease, you, you look at the market and you look at what's going to happen over the long term, right? Well, maybe before you build a program in the stores, you need to understand also from a societal standpoint what's, what's going to happen in the course of the next 10 years. And so when we, when we, I was very inspired by a lot of the different reports that were coming out of the World Economic Forum at that point. And they were talking about the impact that automation would have on blue-collar jobs. But the impact that that artificial intelligence is going to have on white collar jobs, and in one of the right. reports, it even said, "Don't send your kids to law school." Hmm. Right? That hmm. researchers are same in fintech, by the way. Right? right? It's easy to automate everything that's around data and numbers. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to automate intuition or like gut feeling. Exactly. That's a different story. Absolutely. Right. I wanted to come back to this thing that we talked about earlier around intuition. Mm -hmm. uh, You are known for being like a like a sharp and analytical thinker. How do you manage in, you know, your business life or how did you manage in your business life, you know, when to take in intuition mm -hmm. versus looking at numbers, spreadsheets mm -hmm. and such? Mm -hmm. I think when I became the CEO of Burberry was probably when you are all of a sudden 100% accountable. And it, you have to go deep inside of yourself. And, and, and again, you're listening to everyone, but, but you have a gut. And, and instincts, I also think, 
are years of experience, right? It's not just, you know, it's not just it's not just looking out and you know having a vision or i think it comes also with just tremendous experience and exposure and you know i'm a constant reader and a curious learner and 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 that all never stops and so that all feeds in and sharpens and informs your instincts right i don't want anyone to think that it's simply you know, you don't have to do anything else and it'll just cut, this vision will come to you. No, you know, you're constantly feeding your mind and your, and, 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 and your instincts so that they can, they can better inform you. But I think when I got to Burberry and I'm a hundred percent accountable and, and I'd never been in that position before, my partner, Christopher Bailey had never been in that position before. And, and so we did a, we did, we had a tremendous number of conversations and, and we decided before, before we both even decided to do it, we decided the four or five things that we knew we needed to do. And, and, and that was our instincts. I then brought in a consulting firm and and basically said, prove to me that this is right. What's happening when you made a decision out of an intuition or a gut mm -hmm. feeling and then the numbers show something completely different? <laughs> um, yeah, I think, on, I think on a massive scale, I only had that once. And uh, we had put all the strategies together at Burberry and, um, and the consulting firm basically reinforced all of those strategies, targeting a younger consumer. And, and yes, great. All the growth markets were 25 years younger than what the developed markets were. So, okay, check that strategy was spot on. And, and so they basically reinforced, you know, we felt that we could easily double our store base over the course of the five years. And they gave us over 200 markets where two of our luxury peers had stores and we didn't. So, so, And again, we had our instincts, we had a plan, they reinforced that. The only place that, that we didn't agree was we felt that with all of our all of our all of our instincts and the plan that we could double the business in the course of five years. They said there was only a five percent probability we would do that. And, and that's a pretty big delta. Right. <laughs> and how, how did it turn out in the, in the end? Um, well, we did it in about three and a half years. So, okay. well. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But what they didn't count on is the people side of it, mm -hmm. right? They forgot about leadership. They forgot about uniting and empowering people to do something that's so much bigger than themselves. They were simply looking at the numbers and, you know, and taking basic, you know, kagers, et cetera, where You know, we used a very different type of leadership as well. I hired for people, I hired for where we wanted to go, not for where we were, right? And if we wanted to add a billion pounds onto that business, then I needed to hire guys that had been with multi-billion dollar businesses, not with businesses that were a couple hundred right, million, right. because then they wouldn't believe they could do it. That would be too big of a stretch. Mm -hmm. But if I grossly, if I hired for where I wanted to be in five years... And guys that had already been with huge companies, then of course it's doable. To them, that was easy, mm -hmm. but they'd also been there. And so they knew the types of people they knew, you know, whether it was in operations, whether it was in merchandising or marketing, they knew the stepping stones to get there and had, had a much shorter learning curve, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think, I think they just, I think that they didn't plan on, the types of people or how the unity 
and the collaboration and that would enable us to do right. that. Many entrepreneurs kind of ask themselves these kind of questions, right? How do I hire the right kind of people? How do I motivate people? How do I mm -hmm. take this company from, you know, where, where it is right now to like mm -hmm. this vision that I have? So, mm -hmm. so talk a little bit about this and kind of share like your best practices Mm -hmm. In this kind of regard, how, what did you learn about this? What other, you know, founders in our community can mm -hmm. probably take mm -hmm. on from you? Yeah, I think the most important thing, I, and I would think even more as a founder, but it's the hardest, but I think it's probably one of the most important things. And whether you're a founder or you're a CEO is truly know what you know and know what you don't know. Because as smart as you are, you don't know everything. And I think one of the greatest mistakes that founders make is they try to do it all. Or CEOs, they try to do it all. And so know what your gift is, whether you're an engineer, whether you're, a, um, you know, whatever you are, know what you are. You can't be a marketer and a merchant and, a, you know, And, and, and handle all the technology and all the finances. Right. You can't do it. Know your strengths in a little way. Know right? what, know what your gifts are. And you can be pretty broad while you're small. But if you, if finance is not your background, then pretty early on, bring in a finance partner. You're going out to investors asking for money and they want to make sure somebody has an eye on their money so they're going to get, get it back someday. So, and very few founders come from a finance background. Right. They come from an engineering background mostly, right? Mm-hmm. No. But I think it's, I think if you want to raise 10 million, 20 million, 100 right. million dollars, right. you better make sure mm -hmm. you've got a very strong finance partner and ideally someone who's got a finance and an operational background so they can handle that whole part that you're not great at. You might be great at design and engineering and, you know, and you may even have a little bit of marketing in there. But I just think, I think that as you start to hire people, Know what you know, stay in your lane, and hire great people to complement who you are. I think that needs a lot of introspection, you know, from the founder and from the entrepreneur. How did you find out your strengths and your gifts and your talents? Again, a lot of it comes with experience, right? And, and you know, I was in my mid-40s by the time I took the CEO position at Burberry and, and had a tremendous amount of exposure to you know, running. I was overseeing about 20-some-odd businesses at the corporation in New York before I moved. So I got used to handling complexity. I had been working with visionary founders. I had been working with corporate finance executives and, you know, CTOs, et cetera. So I felt so incredibly blessed. I had been exposed to so many different things. And I knew what great looked like in talented people. So by the time I got to Burberry and, and, you know, and I had to move fast. I mean, you, when you are, when you're running a public company and you have the top job, and I would argue it's probably no different when found, when, when investors all of a sudden give you money, you know, if you, you better do what you said you're going to do. And so, and you don't have a lot of time. Right. You have to move. You have to move. You, in this day and age, you, you know, I've never moved, I've never moved too fast. And so, so you get in and you assess everybody very quickly. And then, and then again, I am not, I am half right brain and half left brain. And the first person I asked to meet with was the CFO. And I met her before I even was, even took the job. 
And and we spent a couple of hours together over lunch because I needed to make sure that Stacy was going to stay, that she was terrific. I already knew the chief creative officer. We had worked together in New York at Donna Karen for a number of years. So I knew Christopher and trusted Christopher. So, you know, that's my right brain partner. But I needed to make sure my left brain partner in Stacy also. So once I felt very comfortable with the two of them, then we start. Um, but you have to understand, again, big company. It was over 700 million pounds by the time I started already. It wasn't making a lot of money and it you know, wasn't doing that well, but it was still a pretty big public business. So then you go in and you, okay, who's my marketing partner? And, and you know, and, and you build that. Who's my, who's the tech partner with everything that we needed to do in the infrastructure? And, you know, we needed to put SAP in place, et cetera. So you just start, who's my chief supply chain officer? So you just start assessing because I was smart enough to know at that point, I always say that you need five incredible lieutenants around you. It, and again, if you're wired like I am, you know, if if I'm sure Steve Jobs had a very different structure around him, but depending on who you are and what your gifts are, you need five lieutenants around you. Which are? Again, depending on who you are, finance we talked about, creative visionary we talked about, my partner was Christopher Bailey, your chief technology officer, your chief supply chain officer, and your chief marketing officer. And you don't even have to call them that. Just say marketing, technology, operations, right. finance, and creative. And as long as you and, – and, and they have to trust each other and respect each other because they all speak very different languages. So coming to the next part of our podcast, which is our special place. In this part, we always talk with, you know, our guests about a place that's special for you, for their career, uh, for their life. And I think in in your in your case, it's probably Apple, probably the spaceship. I love it how you call it the spaceship. I like the spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> they call it Apple Park. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> yeah, Apple Park. Um, You know, Apple Park was an incredible place and an incredible experience. Um, interesting, the Burberry headquarters had 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 more deeper meaning because we actually we were a part of designing them and building them, and and they actually became a strategic part of the entire business strategy. I'm sure Apple Park did for Apple. You know, I wasn't a part of that those nine years as Steve was dreaming about it and the gift he wanted to leave to the world, et cetera. You know, I showed up as an executive and loved the offices for a few years. Um, but but my heart, right, because, you know, it's it's very different when you when you're envisioning and building and, you know, And, you know, at, at the Burberry headquarters, we wanted one entrance because we wanted we wanted the whole lower level to be a gathering place. We wanted tremendous energy created. You know, we put the largest LED screen up on the wall so that there was constant music and sound. And the minute everyone walked in, we wanted them to feel positive. We wanted them to we wanted there to always be, you know, hundreds of people around at any point in time. And, and it was about community building at this point already. Right. Well, I guess it's a great point. I hadn't I hadn't actually called it that at that point, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And to the left, we put a huge, we took a page out of Silicon Valley. We put a huge cafe that sat a couple hundred people. We put a Starbucks concession in it. We fed all of our employees free to start and then very cheaply thereafter. But again, all to create energy. Very few people in central London would put a huge employee cafe right on the main level, right with the windows. But again, it was all a part of, of creating some, creating a, a place for them to live, to feel proud, to be happy, to to connect, strategize with, to connect. connect. Absolutely, right? yeah. absolutely. Because when great minds, when humans connect, incredible things can happen. And yeah. How, how do you network? Do you have like a special, I don't know, a strategy? Do you network? Do you have to network? <laughs> You're talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> um, or like to matchmake or like... <laughs> I mean, everybody knows you probably here. You don't have to probably, you know, too many people reach out to you at this point. I don't know. <laughs> Talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah it, it is funny. I I always thought of myself as a terrible networker. Really? Because I've always been head down running a business, right? Okay. And, and it's so you funny. didn't have the time. You didn't have well, the time to go well, to I guess at Burberry. Party. I guess at Burberry, when you're the CEO, I would just reach out. Like, I just reached out to Mark Benioff at Salesforce and said, hey, can we meet? I need your help in building something, you know? I just reached out to the CEO of SAP and, and said, hey, can we, you know, I need your help. We need to do something. So when you're the CEO and you got to move fast, I just reached out to, you know, we used to come out to the Valley and we'd meet with Cheryl and Mark Zuckerberg and come up with our Facebook strategies and, you know, and, and Jack Dorsey at Twitter and, you know, so... We were this little company at Burberry, but we wanted to win. And so, and I was a CEO. And so why not? Why not reach out to everyone? And, and I think founders can do that too. And, and so I think that now you could look back and say, that was networking. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of it as networking. Mm-hmm. I thought of it as a part of my job, right. as a part of helping us get on the forefront and, you know, evolve and do all the things we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but looking back, I guess maybe it created a wonderful network. But why would you say you are you were bad at networking or you are bad at networking? Because you didn't go to cocktail parties or like fancy dinners or yeah, no. No, no, I was raising three kids. <laughs> I thought, you know, I've always, I, my, my, my little one just left a year ago. Nice, so, nice. you know, yeah. I was a mother raising, raising a family and, you know, and, and with a long-term husband. And, mm-hmm. and so I've always said I have three jobs. And yeah, you had the long distance relationship for 16, 17 years, I, I, I read, right? <laughs> we <Yeah>. did. <laughs> right. That's impressive. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We did long distance a long time. And, and, uh, and, you know, when you travel, when, you know, I don't, again, if you're a founder or you're a senior, CEO, you're putting in tremendous hours and, and, you know, but by the same token, you have to work at raising your children. You have to work at keeping your marriage or your relationship together. And so, right. you know, so, so that's when I always said, I'm not a great networker because I would go home to, to, I would, you know, I would only go out one night a week. That was it. Okay. For doing like meeting friends or what did you do this? Night? It wasn't even really friends. Fr- friends, friends would have to, you know, be on the weekends and, and, and typically were, they were groups of family friends and usually they had kids and, um, but no, it was events. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you would get invited to so many different events every right. single night. And I, and I said, as a working mother, I cannot be out, every, you know, no, my kids are a priority at this stage of life. And so I would, my 
assistant would know. I'd have to, out of everything I, I could do, I would go, I would only be out one night. Now, sometimes in one night, I might do three things in one night but, uh, right. well, to, to try okay. and do as much as you possibly mm-hmm. could. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, that was a choice I made. That was a rule that I held myself to. And, and to this day, I have three amazing kids that FaceTime all the time. And, you know, and, uh, my husband and I have been together over 40 years and, and, a, and I have a pretty good business track record. So I think that, you know, it's not a matter of having it all because it's hard sometimes. But I think you have to keep your priorities straight and decide what you want in life because it is still life. And life is about people. And, and it's not just the people in your company. It's the people outside of your company. And, and so, yeah, so maybe I, like I said, maybe I was an okay networker, I guess. But, uh, but today, it's, today it's slightly different, right? Today I... Uh, I, I'm very blessed to get a lot of calls, and to and so I always say I have a lot of open to listen. Um, I'm very protective of my time, and uh, I've been trying to detox a bit and uh, travel a little bit less because I really, you know, I, I was a little worn out. to the next part of this conversation which is our beer garden break where we have like a little beer steen here for us we move to our digital beer garden bench and we say cheers 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 <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you kind of kind of detoxing right now so what kind of new habit did you take on after you you left apple uh, that kind of improved your life do you still get up at 4 35 a.m <laughs> no more like five 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 thirty but i just wake up so and i love it i love i love nothing more than waking up and letting the animals out and the sun's rising and my coffee's wonderful and and i love to read and i love i love to read first thing in the morning while my mind is fresh and i can read fast and take it all in and and then when i'm getting ready i listen to podcasts and you know some 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 just you know, great things that people have sent, et cetera. So my mornings have always, my mornings when I worked were sacred. And the great news is I get an extra hour now. Right. Um, so, so I would say just, I can read more, I can listen to more, and I love that. But I, I didn't physically do a lot while I was working because I would have those, that hour or so in the morning to read and then I'd have to start working and then I'd jump in a car and commute, et cetera. So now that I have a little bit more time, I'm hiking a few days a week, which is wonderful. Um, I'm doing Pilates three days a week, which is incredible. Like you did today? Exactly. So doing things like that. And then I, I said, it's funny, I changed my LinkedIn and, and, my, and some of my, uh, my Instagram posts and That always, you know, everyone identifies with their career or with who they were and, and you know, and you have to fill in a, a title there. And so, hmm. so I said, you know, I said that I'm currently mom, sister, wife, daughter, um, and, and maybe I can be a better daughter and call my mom more and see my mom more and, and maybe I can be a better mom and, and see my kids more. So, you know, it never stops, but... But when you are head down as a founder or as an entrepreneur or as a CEO, you know, you try to balance all of it. But I would argue that, you know, it's always leaning towards the one thing. Sure. Your career. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Which is and I think everything has those phases. in Right. Life. Right. And then you wake up and all of a sudden you're a lot older and and uh, 
you know, and all that's not going to be there forever. And so, so I've, I've always in business and personally, I've always tended to live five, 10 years ahead and always try and look around the corner. And you know what? I don't want to look around the corner and mm-hmm. be alone someday. And, you know, I don't want to look around the corner and have no relationship with my kids someday. And, right. and you know. So is it more like being in the moment right now? That's a great way to put it. Absolutely. I've always said I love to live in the present and live fully aware and just, you know, I hear the birds sing in the morning now. And I, um, and when you're hiking, you see so many things you didn't see before. And so, yeah, just even sharpening your senses even more and opening your mind even more. And, you know, and then I would argue you can retain and you can, you can, you can feel and, and even so much more. So I think it, I think it, it even goes back to just continuing to sharpen your instincts. Where do you get inspiration from? You mentioned reading. What, what mm-hmm. kind of, what kind of books or papers? What, what are you reading? What do you get inspiration from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's so many different things. Again, I don't believe that anything in life is a coincidence, and I'm ha- people know I read, so I am constantly having different books and things sent to me, or I'll have a conversation with someone. I. Um, I, um, a young girl had been reaching out and we finally met and had a cup of coffee and, and, uh, and I'm probably one of her biggest fans now, Emily Weiss, who founded oh, Glossier, right? right. She's a, yeah. she's just a force Yeah, and she's just so persistent. And so, um, so we had a cup of coffee and afterwards she sent me a book, um, an old book. She said, it's been one of her favorites for years and um, it's called Living, Loving and Learning. Um, and I am loving it right now. I'm about halfway through it and he was a professor and, and, uh, and so, so typically, you know, things that people send to me, I tend to, um, my sister yesterday Yesterday told me about one that um, I just literally ordered. It's called "Tell Me More," hmm. and it's a, a woman that um, a woman in New York and twelve uh, things that we should all learn to learn to um, to say more of if we want to really connect with other people, etc. And it's called "Tell Me More" because typically we don't listen and we we have an answer, but she's like, "No, pause and 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 the next time you say something, say tell me more and take something in instead of pushing." Yeah, out things all the time. Yeah, so I just right. ordered that. I haven't started it yet, but I've got I've got five or six going at once. Right. The Queen made you damn commander of the British Empire. <laughs> what was what was that about? Yeah, yeah. It's actually Dame Commander of the British Dame. Empire. It's okay. A, a DB. That's okay. Yeah. It's a. Um, and so what happens? And it's all because of your contribution to British business. So every year they announce. So so uh, with a man, they that's when you have Sir. Right. So the chairman of the Burberry board was Sir John Peace. And that was because of the contribution that one of the companies he founded had made. And so a woman is a dame and a man is a sir. And it's simply an honor bestowed on you um, by by the queen and, and, and the monarchy um, almost as a thank you because of of again, of the, the contribution that the business that you were overseeing or running um, made to the country. Right. And you met the queen then? I've met the queen a number of times. Okay. Absolutely. So, you know, again, when you're running, um, when you're running a big business in the UK, she, right. was, you know, she would have a number of different lunches, women's wow. lunches and, mm-hmm. and different things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then we belonged to also, um, you know, Prince Charles has a huge trust And so most big businesses also contribute, and it does wonderful things back for society, for kids, et cetera. So mm-hmm. um, it's called the Prince's Trust. So, so yeah, it, when you have a business in the UK, they're very involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of business, I think many what many people admire about you is 
also how how good deals you made for yourself. You are one of the highest paid executives in the tech world. So so share a little bit of your insights because normally when we talk about like female executives, female managers, it's all about, you know, getting paid, getting the right kind of pay. So share like some of your strategies that you took into consideration. Well, <laughs> you know, I wish it was a strategy, but um, I it just happened. <laughs> Honestly, to some degree, and I think what it is, I think that when you, when you have, when you keep your head down and you try and always do, you know, we talked about you live in the present. You try and do every day your life's greatest work, right? And you unite people, and you then it's it is amazing the outcome and the success of that business. Well, then as you become more successful, right, they want you. But if you don't really want to go at that point in time, and when you're with a big public company, you have stock that's vesting every single year. And so you're not just going to walk away from that and start over again. So when they, I made exactly the same amount of money, it's in the 10K that every executive made. Every executive makes the same salary, gets the same number of shares every single year. The only difference in my package was I was walking away from a tremendous amount of stock at Burberry. So the only difference in my package was, right, was that stock. So what I would tell anyone, if you want, if you're leaving a company, one, I would make sure that you are incredibly successful because they will want you more and they will be willing to pay you more. And if they really want you, they will never expect you to walk away from the equity that you have already made in that company. Does gender still matter? You know, it's funny. It's never mattered to me. I never even thought about gender. And mm -hmm. I'm one of six kids, five girls and one boy. But so I, my father wouldn't ever let us use gender as an excuse. Interesting. So, so I didn't even know until the last eight or ten, when I was running Burberry and I mm -hmm. would continually get that question. And I was almost, I was like, is this a UK thing? Is this a, because I was never, not in sports, not in business, um, nothing were we ever allowed to, we didn't even talk about gender. And so I'm not naive enough to say that there is still not bias. I'm sure there is. You know, we read about it every day in a lot of the different industries, et cetera. I guess my guidance to young women is ignore it, right? Don't ever, we used to talk about it at Burberry. You can't ever blame the weather because you can't control it, hmm. right? And so just push through it. And I think it's the same thing with women. Just be great every day, no excuses. Do your life's greatest work. You will get recognized. You will move and you know, and lead by example. In one of your LinkedIn posts, you talked about the first 100 days mm -hmm. at Apple and that there was like a lot of insecurity mm -hmm. on your side. Share a little bit about how you, you know, moved away from insecurity to become secure mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I think that as humans, with anything new in our life, so I've learned now, and I basically, I've trained myself now to say, that basically the first six months of anything new, I won't like. Okay. Right? I didn't like when I was trying to learn a new sport. Mm -hmm. I didn't you like it. You were very sporty. You did gymnastics. 
basketball, right? Tennis. Tennis. Yeah. 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 A lot. Yeah. I was in a, sw- I swam competitively for years. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Played yeah. golf. Right. Yeah. You name it. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, I think when you have six kids, you keep them busy. So, uh, <laughs> and yeah, very competitive sports family. Mm-hmm. But I think that, um, I think that, I think insecurity is great. And I think that, I think insecurity, vulnerability, humility, I think those are all incredible human traits that we underplay. But it's actually interesting. When you're insecure the first six months on something, maybe your antennas are sharper. Maybe your objectivity is better. Maybe you see and feel things that when you're confident, you won't see and feel. And so... And so when I came into Apple, a big part of the insecurity, I think, again, was the size, the sector, um, not understanding or and, and you don't even know where to go. You don't know who to go to. Right. You don't have any internal network, nothing. And so you you again, that first six months, you start to feel like, oh, why am I here? What? You know, and, and until you then get through that by listening and learning and then going back to your lane. You were hired because of your gifts to do something specific. So in my case, maybe I was hired for my leadership gifts. Tim and I had had a number of conversations discussing that I was not that technical, right? And I was not an engineer and I was not wired like most people at the company, you know, and, and, but in, Retail with 60% of Apple's population in retail, maybe the gifts needed were different. And mm-hmm. maybe to reimagine retail and to, you know, to, to, to redesign that experience and the stores and, and all of the positions in the stores that, you know, maybe if I was an engineer, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And so you get insecure when you're the, when your, your gifts are different. And when you know what you can bring to the table. Which is probably a, a contribution that's not around in, you know, in this case. Right. In, in, But it's like Apple. going to a country and not speaking the language. You feel insecure, right? You, you know, you feel a little bit lost. And, you know, and until you find other people who speak that language or, you know. Mm-hmm. How many hoodies did you own before you joined? How many what? Hoodies? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like the typical nerd outfit. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, we did a, I, I actually owned a couple of cashmere hoodies that we did at Burberry, but, um, <laughs> but I can't tell you that I actually ever wore them to work at Burberry or at Apple. I still wore my signature jacket every single day, but instead of the suit, I just paired it with a cool pair of jeans. <laughs> you said that one of the uh, lessons that you got from your time at Apple is mm-hmm. never forget where you come from. Mm-hmm. What does this mean for you coming from a small town? Mm-hmm. What does it mean specifically for mm-hmm. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it's funny because my father used to always say it as well, right? Never, okay. never forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. And he used to quote Rudyard Kipling all the time: mm-hmm. "If you could mm-hmm. walk with kings, nor lose the common touch." Interesting. And and so, and I've never forgotten that. Mm-hmm. No matter where you go, mm-hmm. and I think that the higher up you become as a leader, mm-hmm. so it it really where you come from was really less where you come from. It's really who you were, right? And I'm just a girl from a small town in Indiana, one of six kids, right, with, you know, with great friends, et cetera. And so 
maybe when you're overseeing 70,000 people now at Apple by the time that I left, who am I? I'm just one of 70,000, right? And and we all are parents and we all are our brothers and sisters and right? And so it's never thinking of yourself with a big title. It's never forgetting where you came from. So when I would go into the stores, I'm we're all in this together. Right? And 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 you have an even more important job than I do because you can make or break a customer's loyalty to Apple every single day of the week. And so to me that's never forgetting where you came from as a human. When you look back at the time you were 16 years old and you kind of made your own clothes, you kind of dreamed about becoming a designer, yet do something mm -hmm. in fashion. How do you explain to yourself in retrospect how mm -hmm. you made it to New York? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think 90% of it, again, is, is knowing who you are. Um, following your passions and your dreams and right and then staying in your lane and and not you know I always felt like I wore blinders to some degree mm -hmm. you know and my my father used to tell me take off your rose-colored glasses because mm. I was I was a dreamer mm. yeah. and so but I I believe when you dream you're putting something out there absolutely and yeah. and then and then that's kind of your roadmap if you will and so so I've always, I dreamed of New York when I was in high school. I always put it out there. And so moving to New York was not a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. It was just always a part of my dream. You just had a one-way ticket, right? Absolutely. So it was clear for you that you would I was going it? to New York. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and there was no doubt. And then as far as, as far as, you know, being incredibly blessed and successful, it's always just been through people. It's always just been through building incredible relationships with people, building trust, integrity, and always doing what I said I would gonna, was going to do. I, you know, I don't think I've ever burned a bridge in my life because why? And you know, and that's why at Burberry I ended up coming out and doing the TED talk on human energy, and 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 I said the greatest way to to create human energy is to build a tremendous foundation of trust. Because when you build that and tr that trust, then it unlocks everybody's intuition, and and I said it, it unlocks intuition, um, and it and it and you, it creates this belief, this hope, right? And and everybody's united around, whoa, we can do this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that I think with entrepreneurs, you have to do that. You have a dream. You're looking out, and you have to bring people in and they all have to be so united around your dream mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and then and then they will help you make that happen is there like any advice you would give to your i don't know younger 16 or 20 year old self out of your position that you are in right now well you know it's funny you said one of them right never forget where you came from one and um i think i said in that same linkedin post and we talked about it earlier um, you can't move too fast nowadays. 
And, and if you have those instincts, trust those instincts. And, and of course, you know, confuse yourself with facts, learn about, but you have that dream, you have that vision, then go for it. You know, and, and if anything, I, I, I've been incredibly blessed, but I was patient and I was too patient. Were you too patient? I think sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I was too patient and maybe I was too nice and mm-hmm. maybe I, you know, wanted to please everybody. And I think that's, you know, so I, you can't, you, and I'm not saying don't be, be nice, but move fast. Mm-hmm. You got to move. The world is moving so fast. You've got to move at 10 times the rate that I had to move at. Now that you're like at Airbnb, at the board of Airbnb, but you're more like a private person, what new technology are you most excited about? What are you looking forward to in, in the technology or the design world? Hmm. What fascinates you in this in this area? Yeah, I mean, I think like everyone, I think the role that AI is going to play in all of our lives, I mean, you know, and, and I already love, I mean, I love, I'm a Siri freak. I love, I mean, I mean, love, right? Whether you're in the car, whether you're, so I think the continued role that voice is going to play, I, you know, which is all AI. Um, and so I'm incredibly excited by all the amazing things that that's going to unlock from a, from a, just a user side, it's, et cetera. But, but by the same token, it also, you know, I think it's also incredibly scary and, uh, And I think that, you know, I, I, I love Thomas Friedman's book, Thank You for Being Late, because I do think that there's a tremendous dislocation, he calls it, right, between, between where things are going and, and the current policies right. that exist. Mm-hmm. And, and it does scare me. Right. If, I mean, I, and I'm probably more scared than I am optimistic right now. I mean, it really... You know, it's a it's the thing we is, all have to deal with. I mean, mm-hmm. and nobody knows where it's going. Nobody knows how many jobs get lost and, you mm-hmm. know, how many probably new jobs we will going to have through mm-hmm. this new technology. So mm-hmm. that's the thing we have to figure out yeah, uh, as exactly. a society, and the hacking and, yeah. the, you know, and, and you know, and, and all of the, the face recognition. I mean, right. and, you know, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I started, I, I, you know, I had a conversation with someone right at the new year and mm-hmm. I said, uh, I said that the good news is with all of the things that are coming out that we've talked about, right? Environment and diversity, mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. trends, mm-hmm. I th- all the trends, add AI on top of it. And with all the deep fake stuff that's coming out now that's causing you know a little bit of disruption, I think that we're actually entering what I call the greatest purpose-driven decade because I think we're going to go back to a world where trust becomes the greatest global currency. Mm-hmm. I It's really important for, for companies already. Right? You're going to have to find ways to build it, show it, because nobody's going to know what's real in the future. Coming to the very last part of this podcast, which is our either or game. Uh, and uh, this is how it works. I give you two words. You have to choose one and explain real quick why you made this choice. And the first question obviously is, Bits or pretzels? <laughs> uh, bits. Um, because pretzels are carbs and I'm trying to stay off of carbs to be fit. <laughs> Talking or listening? Listening. Listening, because you will learn a tremendous amount more listening than you ever will talking. Small town or mega city? Small town. 
um, because you'll have much greater, closer human connection. I mean, and you will have that in big towns too, but I think it's, it's so much easier in a small town to have deep friends. British humor or American dream? Oh, American dream. American dream because, uh, It's what makes everything possible. In the U.S., East or West Coast? Oh, wow! That's a tough one. I know. <laughs> That's a tough one, and I and and and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break form and say neither. How about right in the middle, where I'm from? <laughs> <laughs> Self-made or bought? Self-made, always. To thyself be true. Do you still make clothes by yourself? No, but probably not. No. Do you cook or like do you? Oh, I absolutely. I cook. I garden. I um, I raise amazing animals and pets, and um, I I do a tremendous. I need doing things with my hands is one of the greatest outlets mm -hmm. for finding peace and resting and. Yeah, mm -hmm. as a former fashion CEO, um, pants or skirt? Pants. Because it's more comfortable, or uh, I feel it's more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I think I I feel um, I, it's just it's absolutely more suitable to my lifestyle. Just more 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 versatile. Sneakers or heels? Oh, I love both, but um, heels, um, and and only because I feel that it it it. Just, I don't know, it just gives, gives you the me attitude. a little bit of more, exactly, whether it's confidence or attitude or just, I feel a little more refined in heels. Follow or lead? Always lead. Always lead. Um, Because it's what you did? Yeah. But always lead. Um, wow. That's a tough one, but... Uh, If you love people, always lead because hopefully you can help them become even greater versions of themselves and hopefully collectively you can have them make even a greater impact than they would make individually. Chaos or order? Always order. Always order. And you can have chaos within that order. Right? I've always said, you know, but creativity still needs constraints. Conquer or compromise? Mm, I would always say conquer. And again, in order to conquer, you're going to have to go through a lot of compromise. Angela, thanks for coming on the Bits and Pretzels podcast. It was a true pleasure to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. All right, that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your feedback and your thoughts. Please write to us at podcast at bitsandpretzels.com if you want to suggest who we should interview next time. Stay safe, stay healthy. See you next week.